Hi, and welcome to the OutCan Experience. I'm your host, Anne Reifenstein, and today we're going to be speaking with Brigadier General Darlene Quinn, Commander, Canadian Forces Europe. She's taken time out of her busy schedule to talk about what her life has been like while she's been living OutCan, and also to talk about some of the issues and challenges she's seen Canadian families working through while they're living OutCan. So I hope you'll join us for this interview with Brigadier General Darlene Quinn. Brigadier General Darlene Quinn, who's the commander of Canadian Forces Europe. She's been generous enough to give us the time to talk about uh, what her OutCan experience has been like so far. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, General Quinn. My pleasure. Can you just give me an overview of what your time outside Canada, because this isn't your first rodeo. This this is this is one of several One of postings? two. Okay. One of two and two back to back. Actually, oh, wow. not planned to be two, but became two. So I, uh, in 2017, um, I was given the opportunity to go to Rome to the NATO Defense College and be the military assistant for General White Cross. And, um, you know, uh, when she gave me the opportunity because I had worked for her before, she came to me and she said, I have this opportunity that I would like to offer you. Would you like to go? And she did not tell me what it was. And I said, absolutely, ma'am, I'm in. And she said, great. She, I said, where are we going? And she said, we're going to go to Rome to the NATO Defense College. And I said, wow. I said, I would have followed you to Wainwright, but it's so much cooler that we're going to Rome. And so we went to Rome and I uh, went there for a year. And then at that point in time, I got promoted. And so I was given the opportunity to just uh, move across the way and come here to Belgium and be um, the commander of Formation Europe as well as the uh, as Canada's national military rep to shape. That's quite an adventure. What was it like moving from Rome to Brussels? It was actually the easiest move I've had in my entire military career, to be honest. Okay, um, I would not have called that. <laughs> the, uh, I've actually found the, the outcam moves themselves, the physical moves, to be very simple and very straightforward. And they're very, you know, that packing as well is well done. We've had no damage our last two moves, which is just shocking to me. Um, I would say the, the movers coming in and packing things up has been, I'll call it interesting. Um, but they're but they're easy moves, you know. When our things left Rome and they drove them over here, you know, it was a couple of days, and and our things had arrived, and they were perfectly safe. So it was a for me, it was a good experience. Oh, nice. What about the change in jobs? Going moving into a very different position, going mm -hmm. from being a special assistant to a Canadian, and therefore having some understanding of that what that's like. Moving to, you know, the national military rep in NATO. What's what, what was that like? It was it's very interesting. In fact, I would say this has been one of the best experiences of my career. I thoroughly enjoy the multinational environment. I would say like meeting 29 others like me from all the different NATO nations has been absolutely fascinating. I have learned things about their histories, about their militaries, about their cultures that I had no idea of before. And hearing their firsthand accounts of it, um, I just uh, I think it's a very special experience. And that is the thing that I've really enjoyed the most. But it is very, very different from what I did in Rome. In Rome, I got to sit in the background and help orchestrate things. And in this role, I am front and center. That would be. How about, um, has your spouse enjoyed uh, Rome and Brussels, or Rome and Belgium, I should say? 
Um, he, he has. Um, we are very fortunate. He works remotely from Canada, and so he continues to work full-time as a geotechnical engineer. And so all he needs is a good connection and a home office, and he can work. And so um, while we were in Rome, he really enjoyed Italy. Um, but coming here, I think he has exactly the same experience. He's really enjoyed meeting the multinational people. That was something I didn't get in Rome that we've had here. Um, you know, to be honest, um, you know, he is one of two male spouses, so that is a little bit of a different um, community for him. Uh, but again, he, he gets to learn things in the culture that I don't get from speaking to the military member. And so between us, we have this very holistic view of the cultural side and the military side of all those nations. So what's been your best experience so far outside of uh, living outside of Ocan? Yeah, I'm going to say that, um, you know, we, a, a couple of times a season, um, we have NMR social events, so national military representatives all get together, so there's 30 of us. We get together sometimes with our spouses, sometimes without, without them, and I would say that um, those get-togethers are the most special. And this year I was very lucky because um, twice a year the NMRs do trips to each other's nations, and this year we went to Canada. And so I think the last time the NMRs went to Canada was 12 years ago. And so having the chance to bring all of my colleagues to Canada and show them what, what I'm so proud of and what I love about our country was a very special experience. What's the biggest adjustment you've had to make or challenge? Yeah, the biggest adjustment, again, I think is um, it's just because of the different role that's here. Um, the, the time zone change, first of all, I still do a lot of work with Canada, and so a lot of my work tends to be um, in the evenings, um, spills over into the weekends when I can get that bandwidth from Canada and, and when, they're, when they're awake, frankly. Um, and then the second one is, is there is so much of a social component to my work as well, which to some people sounds a little bit frivolous, but it's really not. You know, it's during those social events that you really get to know your colleagues, and you cannot understand how they're going to react to a work uh, component or to a work issue unless you can understand where they're coming from, what their history is and what their perspective is. And where we get those is through our social functions. What advice had you wished you had before you moved to Ocan? Which what, what do you wish you would have known? You know, the funny thing about that is, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest, because um, um, I think, you know, my husband and I are pretty well-traveled. And while we've never, we had never lived outside the country, um, nothing came as too big a surprise. And, and part of my, that might just be that we are very adaptable people. And so, you know, a speed bump comes along where, you know, you, whatever it is, you can't find something that you're looking for or something is just out in left field. And for us, it's just like, okay, let's see, let's see how we work through this. So for me, um, there wasn't really a, a big advice piece. There wasn't anything I felt that I was missing. A lot of folks believe that travel, or, or a lot, I lot, talk to a lot of people about the travel that they've done and how much they enjoy it, how it's a big feature mm -hmm. of what they do. What are some of your favorite travel destinations or some of your favorite things, either work or, or personally? What have you done on a trip that you really, really liked? Well, I've been very privileged to visit a lot of the formation. And so we are across 19 different countries right now. I think we're up to 79 locations. And so part of my job is to visit the formation, participate in some of those milestone events in their careers, also to meet their leadership and make sure that um, Canadians are fulfilling the expectations that our NATO bosses have of us. 
um, and also making sure that they're taken care of. And so I've had the opportunity to go to Izmir in Turkey, which was which was an incredibly interesting location, culturally, um, food-wise, everything was 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 wonderful. You know, I've been to a number of places, and I've visited our folks in Germany. I've been, um, we spent a few days um, hiking through Slovenia, which I thought was wonderful. And so we've had a, we've done a variety of different countries, and, and my husband and I have a rule, is when we, either we travel for work or we vacation, we never go the same place twice. Of course, unless it's work-related and I have to. And so um, we're, we're doing our best to work through all of the other 29 NATO nations and make sure that we can visit every single one of them, sometimes just to the capital, but get a chance to experience their culture. That, that's a need to, that's a hard one to do though. It is. Um, to do not go back. It is. So as Commander CFE, you, as you said, you've traveled to all these places and you visit, you see the spectrum about camp postings. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some trends that you've seen emerge in terms of where people maybe aren't as adaptable or maybe are having a hard time? I think one of the biggest trends I'm seeing um, is related to families. So, and there, there's two aspects to that. One is um, usually when our military members come, their spouses are not going to be able to work when they come out camp. And a lot of them have been working full time and flat out for a long time in in professional jobs and they think this is going to be really great. I'm going to go to Europe, I'm going to travel, I'm going to have these wonderful experiences, I'm going to be able to do anything that I want to do. And it's really great for six, seven, sometimes nine months. And then they realize, I'm tired of traveling. I don't have anything to occupy my time. I feel like I'm uh, I'm not being mentally challenged anymore, um, and and some dissatisfaction creeps in, and people are looking to be challenged. And so that's that's a really uh, that's that's a growing trend I find, particularly when our members have professional spouses, and so we have members who have left medical careers who have left teaching careers, just so many different things that they can't have that same experience here, and it's tough for them. What about children's education? That, I think that's, that, that is also a tough one. That's a trend that I see when I talk to people across the formation, and it comes in a couple of different ways. Um, one is some people don't come as knowledgeable um, as they could when they come out can to understand what the education um, system is going to be like for their child and that's all the way through their time here so you know the the typical postings here are three years for officers and four years for NCMs and and at times when it is right for the institution and the individual we can extend by a year and that is a long time in your child's scholastic career and things change they you know they go maybe from grade school into high school and you know the research into what kind of high school experience are my kids going to get when they're there and And um, I think a lot of parents think that the wonderful international education that they're going to get will offset anything else. But then the reality sets in that, okay, I want my child to go to university when they get back. And are those credits going to be transferable? And in a lot of cases, there's, um, they are, um, and kids get into university and they go off and they be successful. But sometimes they have to do some extra work in order to, to get those credits, depending on what school system they're in. So it's, um, it's a challenge. And that's one of the things I would encourage um, folks to do is make sure you know exactly what you're getting into with your, your children's education. 
I think we're getting better with it though. We've we've added some more resources. We've hired a couple of extra people. We've got um, a good relationship going with the Children's Education Management Office in Ottawa. And so the, that, that flow of information is much more open than I think it was in the past. And so we're able to help educate folks, get answers to their questions. You've mentioned you've hired a bunch, there's been some additional resources put into education management. What about the employment side of the house? Is there um, support going for more maybe remote working or things along those lines? Yeah, so we do have some people who are public servants who are here and they're continuing their jobs, um, typically from Ottawa, but we do have some uh, remote working arrangements, both public servants and not public servants. The other thing that we've been working on is um, uh, Chief Warrant Officer Vial and I, the Formation Chief Warrant Officer, we've met with the SHAPE Clinic and because we have a number of spouses who have um, work, their work is in the military field, whether that's physiotherapy or pharmacy or, or nursing, and sometimes they need just a bit of a placement to get some, or to keep the qualifications. So when they go back to Canada, they're not disadvantaged. And so we're working with the clinic to see if there's a way that they can facilitate that. We haven't, we haven't got closure on that yet. We're still working on it, but for me, it gives me hope. What are the primary challenges in providing support to CAF members? when their families outside Canada. What, 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 are, what are the things that take up your time? Yeah. I think uh, one of the things is that we are so distributed. And so we do have some, a small number of concentrations of people in certain locations, but then there are other locations we might have one family or we have three families. And so the remoteness of it plus language barriers. You know, when, uh, when you know that you're going to a foreign land, it all sounds very interesting. And, you know, intellectually, you know, okay, well, I, I, don't, I don't speak the language. But when you actually are in a situation that maybe you're in, maybe you're in, pick your country, maybe you're in, you're in Poland and you need to go and talk to a doctor about something and you can't speak the language and there aren't translators, all of a sudden that can become a very frustrating experience. And so, so for us to be able to support the people that are far flung, um, is, it's not easy all the time, but I will say that I think that the Canadian Forces Support Unit in Europe does a really good job. You know, they're very um, open to trying to help those members in as creative ways as they can find, and it's not easy for them either. They are very, they're a very small unit. The main unit is in Niederheide in Germany, and then there are some detachments from there. Um, so they can't be everywhere, and they can't be everything to everyone, uh, but I think they do a good job. Are there some key messages you'd like to get to people? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the, the things is that, you know, my experience has been that Canada has a lot to be proud of. And sometimes you have to be outside of Canada to actually appreciate what you had when you were home. And so um, so that would be one of my messages is, is, is appreciate the country that we have. And everybody that is outside of Canada is representing Canada. So there are some people who the only impression that they will have of Canada is what you give them and how you represent and how proud you are of your country and what you tell them about your country represent the country well, and get to know the internationals. That's a, that's a big thing. You can come out can, and you can stay in the Canadian community, and you don't have to branch out. You can stay in the familiar, and that's fine too if that's what your comfort zone is. But I think it's such a big opportunity to meet other people, to learn different cultures, and I would advise people to really take advantage of that. For people who are thinking that they would like to do an OutCan posting, a lot of people see it as career-ending. Or at least that's the perception that might be there. 
Also, they're concerned about some of the stuff that we talked about, lack of employment and everything else. Mm-hmm. What would, advice would you give to a family who's thinking, you know what, maybe that's right for us. Maybe I should talk to the career manager about going out camp. I would say to educate yourself before you make decisions. You need to research what is that position that I'm interested in taking? Is it going to give me some skills that are going to be useful when I go back to Canada? You know, a lot of the things that happen here are, you know, you learn about working with others. You learn to communicate very, very clearly because many nations, English is maybe their second, sometimes their third and fourth language. Um, You learn negotiation skills. You learn teamwork. There's all those skills that we want our officers and NCMs to have back in Canada that you can get here. But you need to make sure that that that's what's right for you. So I think it can be a really positive experience. And there are many uh, directly transferable jobs, I would say, you know, working in CJOC, working in the Strategic Joint Staff, working in ADM Paul, all of these places would love to have the experience of an officer in NCM who's been trained in NATO. Is there anything else you want to add? In general? Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking as you asked me what my what my best experience was, it was rolling around in the back of my mind. And um, and there's one thing that I, that I did want to mention, and that was um, being here in Mons on the 100th anniversary of the armistice. Um, That was an incredibly special time. Um, As many people will know, but I'm sure not everybody in Canada, Canadians liberated uh, the city of Mons um, in 1918. And the people from Mons are so appreciative and so they love Canadians, they absolutely love them. Uh, in 2018, there was this very large celebration and there's this recreation of the marching into the Grand Place in Mons and, and liberating Mons. And, and I have to say, it brought tears to my eyes. It was, um, I was so proud to be Canadian and um, knowing what others did before me was just such an incredible moment. I, I wouldn't have missed that for the world. It's interesting because I don't think many Canadians really think about our, uh, the legacy in Europe that we have here mm-hmm. and how far-reaching and how it still has such an impact on people today it does and you know all of those um, all of those war cemeteries where you go and you see all of those Canadian names and all of those those young men that lost their lives it's a very moving experience and and I think you can't feel the history as much in Canada as you can when you walk through those cemeteries here and I'm always struck by the fact that there's always school groups European school groups that are going through those cemeteries and they're learning that history in a way that we don't have the opportunity as Canadians to learn it. And those are some great thoughts to leave us with General Quinn. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to talk with us here at the OutCan Experience and to share with people, the other Canadian military families, about some of your impressions about what life OutCan can be like. Thanks so much for tuning in to the OutCan Experience. I hope you've enjoyed the interview with General Quinn. I know I certainly enjoyed our chat. We have some more episodes coming up in terms of what it's like to move during COVID-19 and also what it's like to travel in the new normal of the COVID-19 experience. So I hope you'll join us for that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to rate this on wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, The more ratings it gets, the more people that listen. And please feel free to share this with as widely an audience as you think would be interested. Thanks so much. Don't forget to rate us.
The theme music for the Outcan experience is provided by Kevin McLeod under Creative Commons licensing.